Hey, Troyview. Hallie Hurley, social worker at Wilson here. Um, just Dan, I know Dan uses a lot of illustrations, so I thought maybe I could do the same. So this is my personal protective equipment that uh, the hospital staff use here when seeing COVID patients. Um, I have my gloves on, got my gown on, have my N95 on, have my mask on. So this is what we would wear when we would go into COVID rooms and see COVID patients. And just how difficult it can be, because when you go into a COVID room, you try to spend as much time with the patient as you could, because there for a while, we could not, they could not have any visitors. So no family, no nothing. So here we are with staff, touching through gloves, trying to communicate through this mask. They can't read lips, you know. Hard for us struggling to breathe because you want to spend as much time with them as you can because knowing that no one else is going to be there. So this is what our patients see when they're at their most vulnerable state and their most sickest. And what we look like trying to comfort them through masks, gloves, um, and trying to, trying to be compassionate, you know, during this very stressful time. So when we're at the bedside, I've prayed with patients, I've laughed with patients, staff and I have held patients' hands as they passed. So this is what I do. I'm a social worker at a hospital, and so spring of 2020, when COVID came, you know, you saw on the news how bad it was, but at Wilson, we didn't have hardly any patients. We weren't seeing the COVID that everyone was seeing in April and May. We were seeing nurses being called off of work because we didn't have any patients. They weren't getting paychecks. If they wanted money, they had to use their own vacation time to fill their paycheck. So, summer was long and slow. And then probably around November is when we started to get our COVID hit. You kept, they kept talking about the curve and all that. That's when we got hit and we were full and maxed. And um, it was just so busy and so sad. Um, no visitors, you know. Um, it, it was like the hospital was a, was a ghost with, with no family. You know, people coming in. Um, people are sick. And in these isolation rooms, and here we come in, the staff, with gowns, masks, shields, this PPE, this big long tube coming around, wrapped around you. I mean, you, you look so weird. And then these patients, if they're sick enough, they may be confused. And it's like, what are these people doing to me? You just feel so bad for them, you know? And, um, it was just sad. <laughs> for the staff, you know, um, everything was closed. Like the cafeteria was closed. You couldn't go and sit and eat in the cafeteria. Like, so you couldn't even get away. You'd be working your shift on the floor. And even to go get lunch, you couldn't get away. And then even in the break room, you know, you had to be six feet from people. Well, you don't have a huge break room to begin with, you know. So even to think that you're going to get off the floor and take a break just for 30 minutes, that wasn't, you know. Everybody was busy helping everybody else. And who or what helped me during COVID was... Um, Talking to my coworkers, talking to um, my cousin every morning on our little Marco Polo chats, really not saying a whole lot, just kind of crabbing about the weather or how busy it was going to be or if I was even going to get lunch today. <laughs> Hoping maybe she'd feel sorry for me and bring me lunch, <laughs> but she never did. <laughs> um, Lots and lots of prayer, and lots and lots of prayer with the patients. 
um, um, lots of Caleb. <laughs> you know, I'd be coming home just singing the song and just crying. It was very emotionally draining watching all the sickness and people dying and husband and wives dying um, just hours apart. Um, just being worried that I'm going to bring this home to my mom. What if I get it? Um, what if I get make Dave sick? You know, he had just finished his treatments at the end of 2019. And, you know, his immune system was weak and, um, I feel that since COVID, I feel like I'm more, more worried about stuff that maybe I shouldn't be worried about. Um, but I know that God is with me, um. I just hold on to that. <laughs> just when things look their darkness, a light shines in us, or a light shines in, showing hope. <laughs> Thanks, Allie. <laughs> oh, crap, I wasn't even recording. The whole, just Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to start by asking me questions, or what? What do you want me to do? Do, you, do I do an introduction? Do I say hello? How do we get this thing going? <laughs> say, hi, my name is Haley. <laughs> Set off by saying, how y'all doing? <laughs> Thank you, Hallie, for sharing your life and your experience with us and your heart. You're crying watching yourself cry. Well, I realize how fat I am. Oh. <laughs> Diet tomorrow. <laughs> so the past year and a half has been a doozy. Uh, in the area of work, that's what we're talking about today. We've been going through a lot of areas this summer. Uh, it's been crazy, insane for people who have been fortunate enough to be able to keep their jobs. Some have not, and that's been stressful in and of itself. Um, but there have been um, complications. There have been uh, ways of doing work, trying to do work that are new and never before happened in, in modern history, at least to this extent. I read some studies this week about how uh, the past year and a half has been affecting people at work, problems at work, um, especially those being forced to work at home uh, during the virus for a prolonged period of time. And here's a list for you. Insomnia, backaches, headaches from watching the computer all day, restlessness, trouble sleeping, stress, nervousness, anxiety attacks, nightmares, depression, social disconnect, loneliness and isolation from your coworkers, lack of motivation, anger, problems overeating because the fridge is always right there in the cabinet, right? Lack of physical activity because you're just sitting there, trouble concentrating, lack of tools needed to do your job because you're not at the office. Constant interruptions by kids and work. Rachel, you never experienced that, right? Kids uh, and animals, I should say. Problems separating work duties from home duties. Very difficult. Problems uh, with extreme tiredness, with working nonstop because you're kind of there. You can always work. Problems with overwhelm and with burnout is a few of the ways that the past year and a half have been affecting people, especially people uh, forced to work at home. But whether you've been at home a lot, or whether you've been in the trenches at the hospitals like Hallie has, or whether you're somewhere in between on that spectrum of work, you may well have experienced many of these things as uh, too. As well as worrying if you're going to be able to keep a job. Job security, constant fear of contracting the virus, and stress, 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 stress. So, in the midst of all this work craziness, I want to share with you a few verses uh, scripture this morning. Hopefully give you hope and encouragement. Uh, we're going to do them rapid fire. They're in your bulletin notes. I'm going to go through them pretty quick, but I encourage you to um, you know, maybe read a few of these 
Break it down this week. Read a few every morning before you go to work or before you get started with your activities to uh, encourage you. There are a lot I included today. And I want to remind ourselves of God's, what we could call his theology of work. Now, a lot could be said about this. I'm just going to say a little bit because I have a few more people sharing this morning. I'm excited for you to hear from them. Um, But I do want to share how important work is that God made us to do if you're able to do it and if you are not retired. So a couple caveats there. But God, or if you're old enough to do it. uh, God has called us to work for him. Now sometimes it's work that's paid. Sometimes it's work that's unpaid, volunteer, and all that. We're going to talk mainly this morning about work that's paid. If you take a note, you could write this down in your bulletin. Uh, First thought is that work is a burden with glorious purpose. Brian likes this one. Work is a burden with glorious purpose. Greg knows. Okay. It can certainly be a burden. Work can. Sometimes we really enjoy work, and that's great. But that's why they pay you to be there. (laughs) It's because uh, you probably wouldn't do it for free. Uh, And it can be very hard, and it can be very toilsome. You may enjoy it, but I'm sure there are days where you just want to (laughs) leave. Like right when you first get there, before you even get there. (laughs) So... Work, uh, like everything else in life, work is part of being um, who God made us to be. Work is part of being a human. And I want to share with you um, this high calling of work that in Genesis 2, if you want to turn there. This high calling of work, we're going to circle back around to Genesis again, Hallie, Chris. We're just going to go through, no, that was the last year and a half. Uh, Work is a high calling. Work can be toilsome, can be a burden, but it can also be a great, it is a great blessing from God, and I want to share with you why. Rapid fire, here's a bunch of verses. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, to work it, and to take care of it. Do you think this is before or after the fall? Guesses? Before fall, raise your hand. After fall, raise your hand. Those who don't like raising your hand, raise your hand. Okay. This is before the fall of man. This is before Adam and Eve sinned. God gave Adam work to do that was holy, that was sacred, that had a purpose, that was good, that was a blessing. Work is a blessing before the fall. And work can be a blessing now in many ways. Hopefully you get some fulfillment out of what you do. But work um, is not just, okay, now sin has entered the world and now we have to do hard stuff. Work was there long before sin. Okay, Uh, Work is good. It's holy. It's in God's original design for us. It's what we're made for. Working with our hands. Doing things. Doesn't that give you fulfillment, satisfaction sometimes? Is that you accomplish things. You, you do things. You make things. Some of you like crocheting or sewing or building with wood or metals or uh, working on your peppers and vegetables in the backyard or whatever it is. Working at digging in the dirt. We get some satisfaction and fulfillment. Maybe you're painting a painting. Natalie's probably in junior church. But maybe you're painting or doing some other art thing. And you, there's this satisfaction, this fulfillment in the things that we make with our hands. God made us that way to be satisfied with that. And like we talked about a while back, God has work for us to do in the kingdom. We won't be just little babies, chubby babies, sitting on clouds with harps and diapers, right? God has work for us to do in his kingdom. That will be glorious, that will have purpose, that will not be a burden, that will be a blessing because of what it creates and produces for other people and us. So even though sin made work much more difficult, work is good. I want to uh, rapid fire with you a few more verses. 1 Peter 3. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now this can be applied to anything, but let's apply it to work. Okay? God has placed you there at your work for Him. You know, Some people try to put God in a box. Or God on the shelf. Uh, and they say, well this is my money. 
God doesn't have anything to do with your money. Well, we know there's over 800 scriptures about money and possessions. Uh, God's on Sunday mornings and he's not involved in my relationships. I can do whatever I want with whoever I want, whenever I want, however I want. God has told us how to do relationships and marriage and all that. And work is the same way. God's not just Sunday mornings. Jesus not just Sunday mornings. Uh, he has given us um, plans, purpose in our work to represent Him there, just like we do wherever we're at. We are called to represent God and Jesus at our workplace for His glory, to lead other people to Christ, like Hallie praying, holding hands with these patients. Chris, she's going to share a little bit later about... <coughs> Jesus at her work. Rachel, I know you used to work as a teacher in the public school. And sometimes Jesus would come up, even though they say, no, 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 you can't do that. We can represent, we are called to represent God and Jesus in all that we do. And uh, when you are stealing from your job, paper clips or cars or big or small or whatever it is, whether you are stealing time, uh, being lazy, slacking off, whether you are... Um, cussing out your boss or, or being angry with your co-workers or being mean to them. We, they see that. And, and when we represent, we are called to represent God and Jesus at our work. Well, I know we're not perfect. I know something, some days you probably leave and say, I shouldn't have said that to my co-worker. But when they see there's something different about you, when they, when they see... When they ask, why do you treat me this way? Why aren't you mean to me when I'm mean to you? Hey, let's go take 20 smoke breaks today. And you're like, no, I don't. Number one, I don't smoke. Well, you can just take a break with us anyway. No, I, I'm, I'm here to work. Uh, when they try to get you to steal time or, or embezzlement or whatever, there's all kinds of stuff people can do at work. You can lead them to a better way. You can lead them to a Jesus-centered way of following him in that area of your life. And giving them, sharing with them a hope for why you live like you live. Uh, and reasons for why you do what you do. Matthew 6. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. Anybody? Amen. Yeah, been there. Talked about that a few weeks ago. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Jesus says each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's relate this to work. I know work can be incredibly overwhelming and stressful. Just do what you can today. There's going to be a pile of work on your desk tomorrow. Uh, you'll always have something to do tomorrow. And just focus on what you can do today. Just get done what you can do today. Just move that needle forward. Just down the yard line. Just a, a few yards what you can do today. Don't let that get to you. Isaiah 40. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will walk and not grow weary. And they will walk and not be faint. Excuse me. They will run and not be weary. Walk and not be faint. And James 1. If any of you lacks wisdom. Anybody need some wisdom in this here? You should ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding, finding fault. And it will be given to you. I know work can be exhausting. Uh, stressful, insane. Never forget that God and Jesus are there with you, alongside you at your work to strengthen you, to help you be successful, to live out your calling in the area of work. And when you're lacking motivation, when you're lacking wisdom, when you're lacking energy, seek God and seek Jesus in your work. Or when you say, how should I respond to my boss after he just said these things to me, my coworker? Take a 10-second break. Don't say what you really want to say right in the moment. Walk away if you can. Go scream into your pillow and then come back to your boss or co-workers and say, God, give me wisdom on what to say, on how to respond to this situation. Or like Trudy working with uh, the insurance company. I remember you told me before that people would call and they would cuss you out. So frustrated with their difficulty. And you would have to compose yourself or put them on hold for a little bit, right, sometimes. And say, look, you, you don't do this to me. Like, I, you don't need to cuss me out. And I'm going to be polite with you and respectful towards you. And I ask that you be respectful towards me. Representing God. Well, I love that when you said that. I remember that a few years ago. Colossians 3. 
Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Hmm. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. A lot of people, oh, it's just McDonald's I'm working for. It's just this company. It's just this boss. They got enough money anyway. They won't mind if I take some or take take their time or steal or whatever or just do my job that I can do but a lot slower because I, I don't really care. No. You are not just working for that boss or that company. You are working in your job for God, Yahweh, and the Lord Jesus Christ. How are you working for God at your job? Are you lazy being a servant for God? Are you uh, slacking? Are you mean to others? All that. Never forget that you are serving God. Whether you Colossians, uh, Corinthians 10. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, including work, do it all for the glory of God. You are at work to give God glory by your hard work ethic, by your concern for your co-workers, for your, by your compassion for the people around you. Representing God, like we've been talking about, and all you do, Titus 2. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Everything you do. Do you think everything includes everything? Yeah, the Greek word for everything is everything. So, everything. Work included. Integrity. Do you have integrity on your job site? Are you an example to the people around you of what a a follower of Jesus is like doing good for them? These are some things that we may need to think about before we start back tomorrow morning. Even if your boss is a jerk, sometimes. Even if your co-workers treat you terribly, say things about you, you are called to represent God well and to do this burden of work with God's glorious purpose in your life. Even if it's doing things that you are not excited about in the slightest, you can clean toilets for the glory of God. Pick up trash for the glory of God. All these people with all these jobs, janitors, uh, you know, the low, what some would consider the low jobs, cleaning out the porter potty guys. Like, I have a lot of respect for those dudes. Uh, the, the dirty jobs, you, they used to have a TV show. Uh, for the glory of God, people need to use their porta potty sometimes. Okay? If your janitor were not there, if your cleaning person were not there, it would mess things up terribly. And you can glorify God no matter what you are doing, no matter what position, whether you're the CEO or the janitor at your job. Represent God well there in all that you do. Philippians 2. Do everything, uh uh-oh, here we go, stepping on toes, without complaining and arguing or grumbling so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Are there some crooked and perverse people at your job? You don't have to shout out their names. Okay. (laughs) Shining like a bright light. Do you grumble and complain and argue with your boss or your co-workers? You don't have to raise your hand. We're not going to take a survey. I used to. Uh-huh. I bet, Nancy, the survey would say, yeah, sometimes. Well, But if they do this to me and if they say this and if they're mean... It does not matter what they do. I didn't include it in your notes, but Paul says in Romans, as much as it depends on you... Not them. You live at peace with all people. You cannot control what other people do. You cannot control how other people respond. You cannot control how other people do their work. Unless you're the CEO, then maybe you can kind of give them a little bit of motivation. If you still want to work here, you need to do your job, right? But if you're an employee, you can't control other people. You can only control yourself, how you respond, how you react, what you say, to those around you, are you shining like a bright light amongst your crooked and perverse co-workers? Don't call them that tomorrow, by the way. <laughs> Don't call them that. But this world is dark. Are you shining a light for Jesus in it? There are more verses in your notes. Read them this week um, to help prepare you to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish with this blessing and burden, this high calling of a job for God's glorious purpose. 
And now, I'd like to show you this video. Brian and Joni Joan are going to share how God um, has been working uh, the past year and a half in their lives, in their area of work, through this whole COVID thing. Hit it, Judy. Ladies oh, first. Yeah. I'm Joan Green. And, hey. I, and I'm her husband. <laughs> <laughs> Married 30 years ago. Yeah. While you're here, do you want to do a reviewing of the vows? <laughs> In our chair, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Edit it out so we sound smarter than that. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, working with preschoolers, as you can imagine, doing Zoom meetings with preschoolers was extremely challenging. Um, you know, kids would get in front of the camera, on, you know, on their home computer, and then, um, of course, they would get bored and run off and do something else. And you're trying to, you know, teach and do a lesson, and, you know, they lost interest because, you know, that connection, that human connection was so vital to their learning experience that they didn't have that, you know, over the Zoom camera thing. So, um, and a funny story is one time while we were trying to have class, one of the students showed up with no shirt, no pants, and was just in their underwear. <laughs> so, and their parent, I'm sure, was mortified, but, we, you know, and you have to keep a straight face. You know, you have to be professional. You can't laugh because, you know, they're showing up with just their underwear, but that's, you know, typically preschool. So it was extremely challenged, and, um, you know, most of the kids that I work with have speech problems, and so, you know, to get the accurate speech sounds from them and, um, was difficult, you know, because, you know, they have to watch your lips when you pronounce words and when you say words, and, you know, that distance with having a camera and plus they have you know little attention spans you know it was it was just an extremely difficult year so um, it was challenging but we we made it through so and then you actually had kids there I think last school year yeah this I, well like that was two years ago but last year yeah I was able to go to work and I worked every day so um, but it was tough because you know I had to wear a shield and you know, and then I had to wear a mask, and, you know, like, I move my body a lot, too. Like, whatever the kids are doing, I'm doing, and, you know, my shield would go down. Like, I would pull it down. Um, it wasn't one that went up. You know, it would go down. So I'd be jumping, and my shield would flop down and hit some kid on the head. And I'm like, great, more paperwork, because I just banged the hit kid on the head with my shield. <laughs> so, I mean, but... Um, thankfully, this coming year, um, I just read that I don't have to wear a mask and the kids don't have to wear masks, so I'm really grateful for that. So, so far, yeah. So what helped get you through some of those difficulties? I think um, positively thinking, you know, being able to um, brainstorm, come up with different ideas on how to reach families and children. Um, I thought your e emails, your positive emails, Dan, were very encouraging because you would always send verses, um, you know, that were encouraging. And um, I mean, like what we said at lunch, like I have my private time with the Lord every morning. So every every morning I ask for wisdom and grace and, and more patience. And so, I mean, you know, the Lord definitely helped me a lot. So I think I found a lot of benefit in the early messages you know it's, even it was in your basement of, of your house you know just kind of knowing you know okay there's there is a piece of normal going on right now I mean, you, you think of you know back to march of 2020 and, and and april we had to make some tough decisions all across the board and one of them was to close church you know for a little while and try to figure out uh what do we do how do we safely make that happen and uh you know, see, it's funny, Joni says that, you know, seeing some of the kids running around uh, in their homes, I mean, even for a church service, you know, we had some of that. And it was neat even to see you guys here uh, putting faces in the chairs and uh, just some of the smaller things let us connect, I think, and, and get that social piece that we didn't really, we weren't getting from work, I think. Uh, and so that, I think that was uh, beneficial beneficial for us. And even the Zoom chats of uh, kind of getting uh, getting on midweek, I think it was the midweek ones that uh, have to, I think the first ones was everybody trying to figure out how to turn their microphone <laughs> off and on. And on. It, was, uh, it was a fun fun learning process, but I mean, you know, it was neat to see folks, you know, even if they would disappear for a minute and then come back, you know, come back on because they hit the video instead of the the, um, the uh, mute button or something on their on their Zoom thing, which I think I still do on, on Zoom meetings. But. Uh, but it was a good, it was a good connection I think to get to, to see the folks that we got to see every week and 
um, you know, weren't able weren't able to do that anymore. So I was it was nice to kind of feel that coming back. Uh, as far as work goes, for me, I uh, I think I had that same struggle, a little bit different role. Um, we, you know, it's a little bit more of a global and less hands-on than Joan's role. Joni you know, has the privilege of working directly with people with developmental disabilities and school school age kids, typically functioning. And you know, our our drive, I think, all along parts of the pandemic was how do we enable somebody who you know is eligible for our services to just live like the rest of us, you know, you know, do things in the community and, and enjoy. And so then, you know, we're like, let's get out, let's you know, you know, let's just do all these things. And then all of a sudden, everything's like we're shutting you all down, and, and uh, you know, and and being stuck in a home. The emotional part of uh, some of us seeing that we spent many, many decades really in our field trying to get people out, um, get uh, get folks to be integrated and be part of a community. They're no longer. We're you know we're all kind of sheltered down again, and, and I think that was uh, that was just tough. I think it went against our entire philosophy, and and, um, and so we found ourselves uh, you know even from our end, like Riverside, uh, from from our side is service coordination. Um, we do uh, early intervention in home services with with families, which we had to switch to virtual uh, during the pandemic. We uh, we have many people who live in our Miami County community that need our services that. Um, uh, you know, from, from a variety of things. We may come in and help them do some shopping or we may be there 24-7 for somebody. And those 24-7 homes were the toughest ones for us because um, some of those supports uh, that we had, those uh, we were already in a workforce crisis and we didn't have enough labor and people to do those jobs in the first place and then pandemic hit and then you have people kind of stuck in those homes, you know, and, and the fear of, you know, do I am I going to bring something in and out of there? You know, we didn't know a whole lot about the pandemic. Uh, you know, and so we're taking massive amounts of precautions. You know, and if I, I remember early, early on in the pandemic, it was how do we, uh, how do we protect? How do we protect? How do we get all this stuff to keep ourselves protected? And everybody's kind of gathering all these PPE. I don't even know what PPE was before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, we're trying to get all these uh, these things to kind of protect everybody. And then we had it all kind of taken care of, and we hit it to summertime, and it was people kind of relaxed. And then it was almost like we practiced for what we really got that hit us. Um, you know, and towards the fall, and it hit us early on. We had lost uh, some folks to the virus um, uh, early, early in the, in the pandemic, and, and that woke us up. It was, uh, and, and national stats show that the people that we serve uh, are roughly um, at least twice as likely to pass away once if they did uh, did get the virus. So we took that very seriously in our field with our employees. We did the same thing. How do you maintain your culture? Keep everybody kind of engaged when they're all behind computer screens at home, and and, and you know how do you how do, how do you integrate back in? And we, I think we, you know, we were able to make good decisions based off of uh, how to, you know, how to work with our employees, treat them like adults, and let them do, let them do their jobs. And they proved to us, I think, that they, that they could over that time. And we're finding ourselves coming out of it uh, really kind of better off, saying I think that we're more efficient and can do things a little bit better, uh, based off just um, the trust and uh, that we've, we've had with our good our good people that work for us. And, it helped me, I think, personally, to not have to make all those decisions myself. I'm lucky I have a really good team. Um, I, I'm fortunate that the school superintendents invite me into some of their meetings, uh, their, their management meetings that they have, and I can see what that world what that world is doing, and then we can adjust our plans for that. So that helped me a lot. I think the things that I struggle with um, outside of uh, the work component is that I'm a routine-based kind of person, and I didn't get, like Joni's time spending doing her devotionals and um, and prayer and all that uh, were probably prior to leaving home in the morning. And mine was, I'm a, a prayer driver, I guess, or I pray when I drive. And I wasn't driving anywhere. And so it uh, it really hamstrung me, I think, for for what I was, you know, for my walk and trying to really lean on the Lord to help me, you know, through some of these things. And so I found myself leaning on other uh, things like team, you know, team members or people, people I know. And... Um, just say, you know, where the natural button would be to go to prayer. Uh, what helped me, I think, is early this year, actually, you know, towards January, I had a couple of guys I knew, one from Partners in Hope, uh, from, from being on the board there, and another from, actually, uh, a person that used to work with me um, at, at my work, who's, uh, who's uh, goes to another church in town. They're part of a men's Bible, uh, you know, where, I don't want to call it a men's Bible study. <laughs> we kind of get together, we go over some lessons, but they meet on Saturday mornings and kind of talk about what their struggles were. I think they call it... Um, uh, the, there's uh, three things, you know, did, w have you had a chance to witness to somebody? Have you had a chance to encounter, grow, and, um, and, and, and what are those? And just hearing other people's stories, their struggles and things like that was 
really started feeding me again on uh, what I what I had been missing, and then I, then from there trying to find those times that I was intentional about trying to connect and do my prayer and on all that with what the Lord was was helpful. So um, kind of nice that that accountability piece is what I was missing. I wasn't going physically to church, you know, for for a while. I wasn't going on a regular basis through routines, and I didn't have that. Oh, this is my time to do this, and I and I, and I wasn't intentional during a pandemic to make that happen. So I, I, I struggled a little bit with that, but um, but yeah, I certainly certainly miss that. Um, but I always said, you know, Joni Joni always sets a nice example. If I see her, I got I got I got to get on and do that. So that's that's that was always helpful too. Yeah, I was intentional. Like during that uh, shutdown time, like I listened to a lot of sermons. Like in your emails, you said turn the news off, read your Bible. I remember that clearly, and that's exactly what I did. I turned the news off because the news was starting to steal my joy, and I didn't like that. So, because um, I like to be joyful. I mean, who doesn't, you know? So, um, so I turned the news and TV off, and I intentionally just listened to sermons on YouTube or wherever, and then read my Bible more. And I was more intentional that during that time, and you know, so that was extremely helpful for me. Yeah, and, and that, that helped me too because I kind of I, I, I hear you go through some of that, and then I did the same thing. I stopped watching as much <laughs> news, and I, you're right. I think we had a little bit more enjoyment. I think, and it's like, why do we worry about things we can't control? Yeah. I mean, we would just like sometimes watch the news, and then we would just kind of go, you know, and then we, we waste thirty minutes talking about something. We have no <laughs> yeah, and we're like, you know, just let's let's do something that we can. So I think work on more constructive, uh, constructive pieces that help. Oh, well, on a side note, I want to um, publicly thank everyone for praying for our family and yeah. praying for Diana and, and, and how powerful and meaningful that has been for our family. Um, you know, my faith has just quadrupled. I mean, I really am so grateful for the power of prayer and how everyone has pulled together for that little, little lamb because she is a miracle, and I'm just so grateful, and I give God all the glory because he has, you know, like, shown his grace and mercy and power, you know, just on our family through that little little child. So I'm so thankful to everyone. So I just want to publicly say thank you. Yeah, I, I would I would echo that too. I, uh, there's something about going to see um, a premature birth and see that little, the, she's the size of my coffee mug, you know. <laughs> and when we hear, you know, her um, coo or so, and it sounds, her voice box is so small, it's the sound of like a little animal almost, you know. The, I mean, like you would hear, it wouldn't just even sound natural. And you think, how can God keep, you know, I mean, we have, of course, science and everything else that's kind of involved. But, how, you know, how can you take something so soon um, out, out of, in a, in a situation, you know, less than 200 years ago, there would be no hope for and, um, yeah, or yeah, even, even less than, um, you know, and, and, and have the success and see her, um, you know, thrive like she is. That just uh, it just touches your heart. And knowing that there's so many people that have reached out to us uh, in the church and friends and all of that are all praying for, for, uh, for her to just continue to develop and put weight on. It's just uh, such a humbling experience. You know, we talk about things that are just completely out of your own control. You can't. I mean, we talked about not watching the news, but we can't see and go and touch and and be there, you know, until she's healthy enough to come out of the hospital. So literally, the only thing we can do is pray. And sometimes they go, you know, people go through tragedy and say, oh, you have my thoughts and prayers, you know, my thoughts and prayers, my thoughts and prayers. But, you know, in this situation, it just, I, I think I felt it uh, from folks. And then we went through some hard hard losses this year, you know, with dad passing and, 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 and you know, just kind of those types of family pieces. Uh, this this specific one for us, we've just seen miracle after mm-hmm. miracle after miracle happen. And she's had her struggles you know, um, and developing, and just to see those, you know, just put a call out and say, boy, you know, any prayers are helpful, and then see her overcome, you know, medical terms and things that I had no idea about. Like, I don't know, uh, you know, being a premature baby, I didn't know a whole lot about all that uh, until, you know, Brittany had, um, you know, and, and, you know, premature birth, but just, uh, you know, see, seeing those miracles happen, it's neat, and, and feeling it and witnessing it every day is it's really cool. Thank you, Brian and Joni, for sharing your life with us. The past year and a half has been a journey for so many. Last thought, if you have your notes there with you, if you want to write this down, is that we can have peace in the midst of chaos, whether it's work chaos or home chaos, 
but especially focusing on work today, that we can have peace. You can have peace in the midst of chaos. And Chris Lucas, I pass the baton on to you. You have the floor. So you kind of hit that really good with the peace in the midst of chaos. We were in Florida this past week, last week, and um, when I, we were sitting at the beach the one day, and I was telling Hallie about, you know, I really wasn't sure what I was going to say today and everything, and just listening to the ocean. And if you've ever been to the ocean, how loud it is, the waves, but how peaceful just sitting there was. The cool breeze coming off the ocean and just the sand on your feet, um, just the peace in the midst of the chaos. And that's what I enjoy the most. This is a picture of my desk. Um, actually, the, the one on, over here on the right, the, the orange one, um, was my old tower. Um, while I was gone, I got a new monitor because my eyesight's been a little bad. And I sometimes would have to be right up on the screen to see the monitor. And so they got me a larger monitor, so it got switched. But um, this is what I walked in to work at to every day. Um, there in the orange, if you can see that, it says, declare today that you won't stress over things that are out of your control. People will be people, jobs will be jobs, but one thing is for sure, God will be God, let him handle it. And so every morning when I came into work, this is what I saw. Um, I sat down on my desk, this is it. So I had to duplicate it and put it in um, on my new monitor, so it's underneath there, um, at the, the base of my monitor there. So that's what I walk into every day. I left the orange one on too, so when that, if we turn that tower, they're gonna get that with them as well. But anyway, so um, for me, um, Handling the COVID um, was a lot different um, because I'm a postmaster at the Tip City Post Office. Um, I do a lot with my job. Some people think that I just sit at a desk and I tell the carriers what to do or whatever, but there's a lot. I'm also our safety ambassador for our, our area, which covers about 200, um, 280 offices um, throughout the Ohio, Ohio Valley District that I have that I, I take care of as far as safety is concerned, which I review accidents that happen. I look at ways that we can um, look at safety different. You know, we're making sure everybody has the proper shoes on, they're carrying things right, they're lifting things right, things like that. And so when COVID hit in March, I felt like it was in a sci-fi movie because we were mandated to take all of our employee emergency contacts home with us. We were mandated to take our scheme home with us, which a scheme is um, what streets were on what routes. So I'm a planner, so I'm thinking, what does this mean? Um, are we going to be shutting down parts of town because of the COVID outbreak? Are we going to be, you know, I'm thinking it's kind of sci-fi. I don't know, I, I'm not big into sci-fi. Kind of the only really sci-fi movie I saw was War Games. And they shut themselves in, you know, when they're trying to... Uh, uh, dismantle the computer that's getting ready to attack, you know, Russia and United States. And um, I watched it because Matthew Broderick was in it. But anyway, um, you know, so I felt like it was a sci-fi movie happening for me at that time. And how do I handle this? And the employees were, I have some who um, were very fearful um, because not sure what to think, not wanting to wait on customers because at that time we didn't have our shields up. Um, you know, making sure we got all kinds of our PPE, which is personal protective equipment, Brian, PPE, personal protective equipment. Um, you know, making sure we had masks, making sure we had gloves, making sure we had hand sanitizer, which uh, right now I have a 50-gallon drum of um, hand sanitizer that came from one of the distilleries in Cincinnati, if anybody knows a good use for it. Um, I'm going to have that for the rest of my career. But... Um, <laughs> You know, we got loaded up with all this stuff because I was a safety specialist. I was in charge of sending all this stuff out and to make sure that everybody got what they needed, the gloves, the mask. Um, and at the time, we were struggling finding masks. Um, and so I had a very dear friend uh, that I knew in high school. Um, I, I don't know if I mentioned something on Facebook or something, but she showed up at my office with um, 80 masks for my employees that she handmade. Um, and I just thought that was great. Um, that she did that. But um, handling all of this, uh, you know, I was a little anxious with it and the anxiety started to go um, and trying to figure out, because I like to know what's, what's the next move. So like, um, if I'm going somewhere, I gotta know kind of what's, what's in there. What's, what's gonna happen here, what's gonna happen there, I gotta plan it out. If you've ever gone on vacation with me, before I make a vacation book. Um, this is what we're doing this day, this day. I didn't do it this last time, but there were a lot of adults. But I usually make a vacation book. I'm a planner. I like to plan. I want to know what's coming ahead. But when this hit, we didn't know because we had never experienced anything like this before. Um, I tried to look up how the post office handled um, the uh, 1912 pandemic um, with the flu. Yeah, I, they just showed 
uh, postal carriers with these big gas masks on. Like, I'm not sending my carriers out with those. But just dealing with it on a day-to-day basis, making sure that we all had masks, making sure we all had our gloves, making sure we had hand sanitizer available for everybody. Um, and so I became anxious, but then I'm thinking, I have a quote that I like to say and I've used several times, is worry is the advanced interest we pay on troubles that seldom come. I'll say that again. Worry is the advanced interest we pay on troubles that seldom come. Now, yes, yeah, sometimes worry, you're going to worry and it's going to happen. Um, but I, I realized it was out of my control and I just had to do things to make sure that my employees were safe. And so, you know, we put cardboard up between cases. We roped off my desk with tape that they couldn't come in front of my desk because it was very hard to wear a a mask while I was trying to work on the computer. And just all these things to set it up. Um, And then going through the year, and then after we decided to cancel church, it was like, okay, this is great. Um, Where's my out going to be? Because a lot of times coming here to worship was my out. Um, as far as releasing all the, the frustration, you know, through worship. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to make sure that the kids didn't go without. So Kim and I put together a lot of packets um, together for the Sunday school kids and sent them home, sent envelopes for them to have color pictures to send to somebody else. We put stamps on them and, and doing that. But just to kind of keep busy with this. Um, as the time went on and then they finally started shutting things down more and more, um, and then they offered... Um, liberal leave for people for COVID, for childcare, because the schools were shut down. I, had, I have many employees who have children, um, and so what are they going to do with their kid, who normally they drop off to school on the way home, you know, on the way into work, and, you know, they ride the bus home, and they're home for maybe an hour or whatever. What do they do with their kid all during the day? So they offered the liberal leave, and that went across the board with the United States Postal Service, which then caused an employee shortage, which then, if you sent packages during that time, you saw that it took a lot longer time to get to the destination. Um, so then dealing with customers on the phone, that was a nightmare to try to explain you know, why the packages are taking longer, why their mail is taking longer. Um, we saw an increase of probably about 40% um, over probably starting from July on as far as package uh, sending out because people were sending out, they knew they couldn't go places, so they just started sending packages to friends and family across the board. So the packages increased, but yet our employee availability decreased. So moving that was just was horrible. Um, so for me, um, for my office, um, as a safety specialist, I had quite a few people calling saying, hey, you know, can you send me some gloves? You know, can you send me some masks? Um, but even when they called, then just kind of talking with them, uh, letting them unload on me as far as what's happening in their office um, and talking about their frustrations that they felt um, and the stress that they were under, um, you know, I got to share with them that, you know, I came in and I did my job and I, you know, this is what I can co- control right here in my office. I can't control what's happening out there. I can't control what they shut down, what they don't shut down, why they shut down this, why we're doing this, why we're doing that, this. I can control my office and that's what I can control. And talking to them that way. And I had several people <laughs> comment to me, how can you be so calm? I'm like, that's just my nature. Um, I don't get, I don't fret a lot. Um, and I think that's because of my upbringing. Um, I think we were raised well. Um, see, you got to cry on camera. <laughs> um, my parents, when, you know, things happened in our family, and I remember distinctly my father was laid off from Goodrich, and to make ends meet, we painted picnic shoulders and the barn in the park. Um, my uncle Roscoe was superintendent of Troy Parks, and he allowed us to do that, and And I remember that was one way where they made ends meet. And I don't remember my mom ever saying we didn't have enough money for something or we couldn't afford something. It was just there because I didn't see them fret. I didn't see them worry about where the next paycheck was going to come from. That's just the way I was brought up. And then just relying on, you know, God that the the money would be there or, you know, somehow we would make ends meet as a family. So I think I was prepared for that situation. You know, some people um, feel like they were brought to a certain time, and, and I, you know, I, I use the, the scripture re- reference from F- Esther where she said, you know, that she was brought to this moment for such a time as this. And I'm not saying I was, you know, brought up that way for COVID, you know, but I'm just saying for the stress in my life, um, you know, handling that, um, I felt like I was able to be more calm because I knew that I can only control what's in my realm right here. I can't, I didn't pay attention to the news. I stopped. 
Um, I, you know, um, and now I don't even watch the news now just because of the different strains, the Delta strain. I, I, I thought that was just like down in Georgia or something, but it's, it's just a different kind of strain. But just knowing that um, my faith that I've had throughout my whole life uh, was able to get me through it. Um, and that, you know, witnessing, um, you know, as, um, as a government employee, we're not allowed to talk about Jesus, you know, to coworkers, but I did, um, when they would call and say, you know, I don't, I can't do this anymore. Um, I spent two afternoons talking postmasters out of quitting their jobs because the stress was too much for them. And I'm so thankful that they're not, um, they didn't quit because one of them was one that I looked up to a lot. Um, I called him for advice a lot on things, but now he's calling me. <laughs> So, um, but anyway, um, so, you know, I don't want to diminish anything about, you know, people with depression and anxiety, you know, I, I know it's real. I do suffer sometimes from anxiety. I, I'll lay in bed at night because I like to rehash things that happen throughout the day. Then I start to get anxious about something. I start running lists in my head, you know, thankful for Joyce, Demet, uh, Joyce Newnham for instilling me the, the books of the Bible for every letter of the alphabet in my head because I'll do that. I sometimes make it to P, then I'm asleep. Or I will try to do one for every book of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, running through those things. Then I'll run, go through the alphabet, naming movies, naming names, naming cities, naming, you know, of where I've been, just to kind of keep my mind off of that. Because I, I don't want to dwell on it. I can't change it, so I'm not going to dwell on it. And that's what I do um, to kind of combat the anxiety. Um, depression, uh, there were some times you can ask him, I would come in from the garage and I would go straight to my room. And I wouldn't come out for an hour or two. Because people can be exhausting on the phone with where is my package, you know, and they won't take the answer of we are short staffed, uh, you know, it's not going to move as quickly because, you know, the government offered this liberal leave and people are taking it. You talk about stealing time and abusing time. We have that. I can't move a package um, city to tip city and people just doesn't, they don't understand that. So dealing with that, but, um, you know, I got through it and I'm thankful for that. Um, I wanted to say, you know, I, Rachel, you talked about going to a counselor. I went one time, not this time, but he fell asleep. <laughs> As I was unloading on this guy, and this has been many years ago, he fell asleep. So I don't put weight too much in counselors. So, um, you know, going and talking to somebody, and again, you know, and I'm sorry, I would have brought you lunch if I knew you wanted lunch. <laughs> I would tell her that I was going to Chick-fil-A for breakfast a lot. And, oh, Chick-fil-A, that sounds good. Um, but, uh, you know, we would. We would sometimes, we would ramble about the weather, Hallie and I, in our Marco Polos. Ramble about the weather or, you know, um, different things that are happening, you know. Um, we would ramble about that. It would be nothing. And we'd end saying, I really didn't say much today, but, hey, have a fantastic day. But it was just one of those things where it was, you know, it was something that was needed, um, you know. And then if I would go a couple of days where I would go in early, I wouldn't mark a herder to wake her up. She would mark me and say, hey, are you okay? Everything's going on. I, I figured you were going in early. I just wanted to make sure. But, you know, just know that somebody was checking up on you, you know. And that was really good. Um, you know, and so this, you know, those scriptures there, the, the Psalm 46 um, was one I read a lot just because it was right there. And then Psalm 27 and... Um, uh, Psalm, um, I think it was 32. Can't remember where I had it at. But anyway, um, but Psalm 46, and I'll read this to you. It says, God is our refuge and strength, and every present help and trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though, the, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the, where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations will uproar, kingdoms will fall. His, he lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the, desolation, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And just going back to that ocean, roaring. You know, it's very loud. If you've ever been to the ocean, it's very loud. And you, you hear the waves crashing. But yeah, there's always a peace in it. It's just a peaceful feeling there. And it says that um, 
to be still and know that I am God. And we have to always remember that anytime we're faced with trouble, um, whether it's, um, you know, a, a depression, anxiety, um, just bad thoughts happening, just remember that God is always there and God is going to strengthen us through that. And he is a great creator. And just remember those things. And that's what gets me through, not just through the pandemic, but has got me through my entire life. Um, so... sharing those powerful words. Chris and everybody else, very helpful today. Let's stand together as we praise the God who's always working, talking about work. He's always working on our behalf to save us, to strengthen us, to give us wisdom in every area. And he's working to bring about his kingdom in the world and that kingdom power that you can have if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you don't know about the kingdom or what's to come, if, if this life is all that you think there is, there is more. And there is hope beyond your current circumstances. There is hope beyond the grave. And if you don't know Jesus, you need to know him today. He changes everything. Let's sing.
you are indeed all we ever need. May you be all we ever want. Help us to focus on you, on your ways, your kingdom coming, and not the ways of this world, wanting things that are good for us, that we don't really need, that can lead us away from you. God, I pray that you would pour out your power and your presence and your spirit on us this week as we go to work, and that we would represent you well in all we think, say, and do. And thank you for your forgiveness when we don't represent you well, when we wish we could get words back from our coworkers or our family or our friends. God, thank you for saving us, for changing us, for giving us life forever, even though we don't deserve it and we can never earn it. You still chose to lavish your grace and mercy and compassion and love and forgiveness on us anyway. And we are eternally grateful for you. Torrey View Church, we thank most of all uh, God for who? Jesus. In his name everybody said. Thanks for sharing.